You are listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie podcast. And this is your host, yours truly, Brian Chilton, as we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Again, we want to remind you that Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. We do encourage you to go check out the website, and while there, we encourage you to subscribe. And by doing so, you'll receive all of the uh, articles and podcasts as they become available. Again, we want to thank Crosby Lane for the wonderful song, Crucified, uh, for use uh, as our new theme here on the Bellator Christie podcast. Uh, we do encourage you to go check out their website at Bellator, at, uh, excuse me, I'm used to saying bellatorchristie.com. Go check out their website at crosbylane.com, and there you'll find all their tour dates and more information concerning uh, the group Crosby Lane. And uh, again, that song is written by John Lamanis and Michaela Lamanis, husband and wife team, uh, sung by Tanya Rose. And uh, just a wonderful song. It's uh, on the uh, album, the CD known as Crucified, produced by Mansion Entertainment. And so again, we thank uh, them for allowing us to use that song. Uh, what a beautiful song it is. Do have, uh, we're going to bring on our uh, guest uh, for the conclusion, the, the finale of our uh, three-part series on the occult. We're going to bring on Michael uh, Bohm from Loveland, Colorado. Uh, he uh, is uh, from youthapologeticstraining.com, uh, and we do encourage you to go check out his podcast and the material that he has available uh, there as well. So we'll bring him on here in just a few moments. We do want to remind you of a couple of uh, conferences forthcoming. Michael, as we're going to bring him on in a few moments, uh, he and I both will be part of a conference coming up May 20th at Emmanuel Baptist Church in uh, Roundup, Montana. It's called the Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be speaking on the reliability of the New Testament. And Michael's going to be talking about uh, various topics. We have a long list of uh, very interesting individuals who are going to be there. So we do encourage you to go take advantage of that. If you're in the Roundup, Montana area, be sure to join us coming May 20th. And this will start at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. And there's going to be uh, several different uh, speakers there. You can go uh, check out the page on Facebook.com. Go check out Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference on Facebook and you'll get all the details for that conference forthcoming. Also, we have uh, another conference I need to let you know about, and that is the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. That is coming up in October. Uh, we do encourage you to take advantage, if you have not already, uh, to order your tickets for this conference, and you can do so by going to conference.ses.edu. This will be October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Once again, this is the National Conference on Christian Apologetics 
2017. There'll be uh, the following speakers, Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, J.P. Moreland, uh, Richard Land, Greg Kokel, Richard Howell, uh, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, and Jay Warner Wallace, among many, many others that will be there. And so if you want to uh, find, if there's one conference a year that you need to, to attend that will equip you and help you defend the faith, the Christian faith, it is this conference, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics, hosted by Southern Evangelical Seminary. And again, that's coming up October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Be sure to go and order your tickets now. Over the past few weeks, we have had a uh, wonderful conversation uh, with a good friend by the name of Michael Bohm. Uh, Michael Bohm is from Loveland, Colorado, and he runs a, uh, a an apologetic site called YouthApologeticsTraining.com, and he also has a podcast by the same name. And so it's a joy and honor to welcome back with uh, with us to the Bellator Christie podcast, Michael Bohm. Michael, thanks for being with us again today. Brian, thanks for having me. Every time we talk, I have so much fun. Oh, same here. Same here. So we've been going through uh, the occult. We've we've talked about um, you know, several things. We mentioned the differences between the cult itself and the occult. And, um, and we've really hammered in, focused on the occult itself. We've talked about um, what it is we're referencing. We've, we've described uh, the main types of Western occult practice. We discussed how Satanism and Wicca are different. And for our listeners, if you want to pick up on these, uh, these uh, podcasts, go back and listen to the past couple we've done on, on the occult. Uh, we also spoke of, of uh, necromancy and what that's considered. And so uh, as we pick up here, I think you had a couple other things to add as far as uh, necromancy, I believe, before we move to our next topic. Well, not so much necromancy, but uh, occult practices that are practiced in the West. There's so many of them. The list just keeps going and going. And I'll try to be quick on these because I know we have a lot more to cover. Um, but a few other things that happen in the United States that are pretty big. Uh, one would be meditation. And I think everybody here that's listening has encountered people that are into meditation. In fact, uh, one form that everybody's heard about is yoga, which, you know, you could call that meditation loosely. But the idea of meditation is to um, sit, relax, and reach an alternative state of mind. Uh, A lot of times it is mind, well, they'll refer to it as mindfulness, but it's more of a mind lessness. It's a a process of clearing your mind, emptying your thoughts. Um, This comes from, uh, well, it has many sources, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, but it's really big in the New Age as well as uh, some some forms of witchcraft get into meditation as well. Um, But yeah, meditation, that would be one thing. Uh, Sometimes you can reach this alternative state through repeating mantras. Have you ever heard that word before? It's it's basically, yeah, just repeating a simple phrase or even a word. Like, of course, many of you have heard uh, the the, uh, meditative practice of saying OM, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll OM, you know, and they'll... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'll vibrate this word, if you will, and uh, try to reach these alternative states of mind slash mindfulness. Um, and, you know, I just mentioned yoga. Uh, same type of deal, but now you're breathing. Sometimes sometimes there's actually mantras involved. But usually it's just a matter of breathing and stretching. Uh, these stretches are, uh, if you go back and look at Hinduism, where yoga comes from, these stretches are intended to venerate and worship Hindu gods. Hmm. Most people don't know that. You know, there's a lot of churches that have Christian yoga. Um, and that's that's one of those odd and iffy type things. You know, it's one of those things I won't crack down hard on, but I will say that we're not to imitate pagan practices. We're also supposed to abstain from the very appearance of doing evil and uh, 
Christian yoga kind of falls into that gray, iffy area that I think we should be avoiding. I mean, there's nothing wrong with breathing. I mean, we all do it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with stretching. Uh, but when you call it yoga and you do yoga poses, um, you're you're doing something that potentially uh, can harm somebody else's faith. And uh, well. I've heard some people say that it potentially can open open you up to potentially demonic activity. Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe not. I will say that another um, thing about yoga is that they're intending to, sometimes, some yoga practices are intended to heal or align your chakras. Now, are you familiar with, with chakras? Yeah, you know, I, I recall you know, when I was taking a course on uh, Eastern religions about uh, about different chakras, and, and I remember especially the mantras. Uh, but um, I, I've heard of it, but, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. Allegedly or supposedly, there are seven energy centers in the human body uh, that are used for meditation, healing raising self-awareness, self-consciousness, uh, as well as they are connected to your health, okay? And these seven centers, they kind of line up at the center of your body. I'm using my hands like you're actually going to be able to see me here. Uh, but, uh, and each one of these centers um, has a different color that is associated with it, as well as different properties, okay? And each one of these chakras then uh, can get out of line. They can get into a state of bad health, which then affects your life, your mental state, your health, uh, these types of things. Well, with yoga and also acupuncture and some other um, uh, occult slash new age practices, you can heal and align these chakras. The ultimate goal is to reach a state of better health, but also to get this. Awaken a kundalini spirit that lives at the base of the spine. It is a serpentine spirit. Okay, really quick disclaimer, me as a Christian, there is no serpent spirit that lives at the base of your spine, okay? But this is what they believe. And by aligning these chakras and, and healing these chakras, you can allegedly or supposedly raise up this kundalini spirit that will spiral up your spine and exit through the top of your head, which will allow you the ability to commune with the divine. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very good. No. That sounds like something we should avoid. Uh, acupuncture actually endeavors to do a lot of the same things. There's all these various energy centers throughout your body, and by poking them with needles. Uh, you're basically attempting to do around the same things. You're, you're uh, uh, stimulating these various energy centers uh, for the purposes of healing. And, um, well, it, it's also talked about awakening that kundalini spirit. Uh, there's actually a lot of supposed functions of acupuncture. I will admit, with my head hanging in shame, that I've tried it before. Uh, and that was actually after getting saved. And it, well, it didn't take very long before I thought, you know, this is voodoo science. This is bad news, and I need to get out of here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, acupuncture is another one of those practices. Uh, the Bible speaks of sorcery. And that Greek word is pharmakia. Now, here in the United States, <clears throat> you know, pharmakia is, you know, pharmakia is where we get the word pharmacy, Right. Uh, and, and, and that's not referring to when the Bible talks about sorcery. It's not talking about taking an ibuprofen when you got a migraine, okay? Right. It's actually, it's, it's referring to using drugs and using them for the, the purposes of seeking some kind of supernatural extra result, right? right? And so a lot of times pharmacia can be, in the United States, you see a lot of people using drugs to attempt to communicate to spirits, uh, some people will use these drugs to open portals between the spirit realm and the natural. Some use them to try to see the future. So that's another practice that's here in the United States. Uh, and then lastly, the very last one, 
that we're going to talk about. Now, this is definitely not an exhaustive list by any stretch, but uh, auras. This, uh, have you heard of auras? Yes, yes. Uh, I've, I've heard of it having to do something with uh, the emotional state of a person or something of that nature. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it's, it's supposedly a luminescent field of energy that surrounds people. Um, it's said that auras can provide insight into the spiritual, emotional, uh, physical aspects of, of various individuals. Okay, so you can look at a person's aura and you'll see, again, this is supposedly, there's people out there that claim they can see auras. Uh, uh, I personally have never seen an aura. But there's people out there that say that they can. Oh, I suppose there were a couple times when I imagined that I did. But whatever the case, <laughs> people will say that they can see your aura, aura, and then they will try to read your aura. They'll look at the different colors, and they'll make an interpretation. And that interpretation of the different colors, each color representing various things, there's, there's links on many web websites between those colors and the chakras that we just talked about. Um, but they'll look at these colors and then they'll almost diagnose various issues in your life. Oh, you've got emotional distress going on. And oh, this color right here, it sounds like you've got a bad liver. And you know, this other thing over here, it looks like you've got fungus on your toenail. Just kidding. But, uh, you know, these types of things by reading auras. And so that's, that's another big practice. When you go into like new age fairs and you walk around, you'll see a lot of people... Uh, with booths that'll say they can read your aura, and some people will even have a booth where they'll paint your aura. Wow. And of course, you know, nobody gets a painting of their aura that's all gray and sickly looking. They all are beautiful <laughs> and amazing. Look how awesome my aura is. I must be somebody really special. So, <laughs> well, Let me ask you a question right quick, Michael, about, uh, you know, going back to sure. yoga and playing the devil's advocate, because I know that there would be some people who listen to the podcast and say, well, Michael, you know, what if you use yoga for for exercise purposes or something like that? How would you uh, respond to such a claim? You know, uh, there, there is no hardcore stance from the Bible. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not do yoga. Uh, so I would I would go back to it is originating from Hindu practices uh, to venerate and worship Hindu gods. Having said that, stretching's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with stretching. There's nothing wrong with breathing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with exercising. Um, and I, I encourage any believer to be exercising. We want to be at our best health. We want to be feeling great. That, you know, when you're not feeling good, you're not going to be a very good witness. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Uh, you're just less likely to step out there and do something amazing for the Lord when you're not feeling very good. Um, so, with all that, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I, I still would look at it as abstain from the very appearance of doing evil. It's one of those things that you know, there's so many things that we as Christians do that I think cast a little doubt on our witness. And I think that's one of them. And I think we should avoid that for that reason alone and the fact that potentially it really it could be venerating and worshiping other gods. I know when you're sitting there, a lot of people are doing these poses. They're not thinking about that. They're, they have no intent. They're, they're good Christian people, and they have no intention of worshiping other gods, and, and they're not. But those poses are intended for that, and um, yeah, it's just something that I think we should avoid. It, it, so I guess here's, here's my advice to any Christian out there that's listening to this and is Highly offended by what I just said. Listen, I, I'm not going to take a hardcore stance on this. And, um, you know, I believe that a Christian can be in a situation where they're doing this. And, you know, but think about it, pray about it, really pray about it, and try to make the best decision possible. It really is up to the discretion of each believer. Uh, it's not like where you're doing out and out witchcraft or doing a full on obvious in your face occult practice so uh, it's it's one of those gray areas and i think as christians we should be avoiding the gray areas as much as possible good point good point you said that you, you know, the bible says nothing about uh people doing yoga it probably has something about uh, against me wearing yoga pants that would benefit <laughs> no one <laughs> let me just tell you 
No one would benefit from that. <laughs> We're changing gears. Well, you know, Ryan, I, I often make a, a practice of wearing yoga pants around the house. And, you know, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I, you might can pull it off. Me, now that's a whole other story right there. <laughs> so, anyway, well, that, that, that pretty much sums up all the Western occult practices. Um, definitely not an exhaustive list. There's so much more, but uh, I, I think we'd end up making it into a fourth podcast if we continued on. <laughs> Good point. Um, we, we mentioned something on a list of questions here about New Age philosophies. Uh, yeah. And, and this may have something to do with what you've already referenced concerning yoga and things of this nature. Uh, are, but are would New Age philosophies that are in, entering into the church, and we, we talk about many things entering into the church. In fact, I think you'll be speaking about this, uh, referencing this at the uh, Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference coming up uh, May 20th. But what are some New Age philosophies uh, that, that could be considered part of the occult and and uh, and we may even want to you know mention how these may enter the church. We we, we have a question here talking about that, and uh, uh, we may want to combine those two questions together. But what are some? Would you consider New Age philosophies a part of the occult, or at least some of them, perhaps? And and how might Christians and individuals in general be led astray by some of these type of practices? Okay, sure. Yeah, I do consider New Age philosophies part of the occult. Uh, they're just about identical in many aspects. The, the practices, the philosophies behind them are very similar. Uh, there's going to be different uh, uh, stories behind these beliefs or different mythology, but it kind of embraces the same ideas like mysticism, uh, attaining hidden knowledge, Seeking one's own divine nature uh, instead of worshiping God, the one true divine, um, and, and seeking personal power rather than the power of God. Seeking your own X-Men abilities over right. nature, if you will. Okay, you're, you're speaking to a recovering comic book geek here, so <laughs> sometimes I like to bring in those references. But um, something that's a little different sometimes with the New Age from your regular uh, practices that many people consider a cult, like witchcraft, is that the New Age, this is odd, but a lot of the New Age authors, a lot of the New Age speakers out there, embrace a form of Christianity slash Judaism. Mm. Believe it or not, they will claim that they're uh, channeling God or channeling Jesus. Uh, there's an author out there, Neil Donald Walsh. He's got a book, Conversations with God. He's got several more where he's supposedly channeling God. That God himself is speaking through this Neil Donald Walsh. And of course, you know, throughout his, his supposed words from God, you know, of course, he's, he's correcting and changing scripture all the way through. Wow. Okay. Now, look how much we've messed up, us man. But, hey, Neil Donald Walsh, he's going to come in and he's going to talk to God and get things straightened out. But a lot of these New Agers will claim that they're speaking to angels, Jesus, or God. And they'll they'll bring in elements of Christianity, but it'll be completely turned on its head. Uh, there, one thing that you can guarantee throughout all of it is that Christ did not die on a cross to save you from your sins. He is not the one that saves you from your sins. You know, what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's something that's completely rejected by the New Age. Yeah, see, so, like, it seems like that's um, a recurring theme. You know, anytime you look at the, you know, and that's something I think I've picked up as we've been talking about the cult, the cult, the cultic churches, for, for instance, and even the occult, it, it seems to place emphasis on man being God instead of God being God. And it seems to me that this this is the very same thing, you know, uh, basically saying, well, the guy really didn't know what he was talking about in this revelation. So I know better than than the writers of Scripture, which is definitely a dangerous precedent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, here's something interesting, too. There's many New Agers and uh, even like a movement called Theosophy that, boy, you could spend an entire podcast talking about just 
Theosophy Alone, the founder, uh, Madame Guy Blavatsky. She founded uh, Lucifer's Trust, which eventually changed its name to Lucius Trust. Um, it was a magazine. But anyway, a lot of these New Agers claim to channel what is referred to as an ascended master. These ascended masters are basically various individuals that live their lives on earth in such a way that they kind of transcended our material world. Um, and at death, they basically became almost like a god, mm. like godlike status. And then they come back to the material realm and they teach those who seek them. Okay, so it's kind of like the the guru and, and the, the student kind of deal. Right. And so a lot of these new agers will try to communicate with these um, ascended masters. And it's kind of interesting. It's, it's fascinating because a lot of these ascended masters will give very similar messages. They even have their own eschatology, if you will. Um, like there is one particular individual, Benjamin Krem. Okay, his, his last name almost looks like it says Cream. If I ever owned a donut store, I would definitely have a Benjamin Cream donut. But uh, <laughs> but he, he channels a particular uh, ascended master that refers to himself as Lord Maitreya. And this Lord Maitreya claims to be Jehovah, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus. All just kind of rolled into one Well, well he's package. got the, the whole works there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got it. He's got the bases covered. But uh, this Lord Maitreya, okay, he's currently living on a spaceship near Earth, and he's he's prophesying he's about to return. And oddly enough, when he returns, he is claiming that he is going to basically, okay, they don't use the, the word rapture, but basically rapture all of the people on the planet that are not ready for this new spiritual evolution. Okay, those whose vibrations are not in line with the new age. They'll get raptured into these spaceships and re-educated. Now, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> the, the new age actually has an answer for the rapture. So wow. it, it's, it's actually possible that something... You know, some kind of great deception could play out like that where there is some world leader that comes on the scene and the New Agers are going to step to the plate and say, hey, this is what happened. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. and there's there's many different occult belief systems that actually incorporate a version of this story. Well, why does it always involve a spaceship? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but there sure are a lot of movies about aliens and spaceships nowadays. I mean, we're all, we, I'll just admit it. I love science fiction. Oh, same um, here, same here. Maybe that's one of my sinful pleasures. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but uh, the idea that um, <clears throat> everybody is familiar with the idea that there could be aliens out there. I don't believe that there's aliens out there. Uh, I I suppose, okay, here I'm going to strap on my tinfoil hat. Uh, for a moment, but I suppose it's possible that the, the Great Deception could include um, some type of of mock alien uh, uh, arrival. You know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe that's part of it. Uh, I, I kind of doubt it because you don't see a whole lot from the Bible that could be stretched, and that would be a stretch. Uh, but it would fit a Great Deception, that's for sure. Whatever the case, everybody loves spaceships, right? Right. We all we all dream about traveling to other planets someday and and checking out the solar system. Everybody but the flat earthers, but we won't go there. <laughs> <That's amazing>. uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's pretty much uh, the answer to that question. Now there are many of these practices that are um, within the realm of the occult that are. Um, creeping into our church that are influencing our youth that are, are actually causing issues with those who are within the church. And since I brought up youth, uh, there's a lot of kind of entry level occult practices that our youth are getting caught up in. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it, uh, it's very dangerous. I mean, it, there's basically, they're almost like kindergarten occult practices of course, everybody has seen Harry Potter. Everybody except for me. I've never actually watched all the Harry Potter movies. 
I've, I've seen pieces and parts, and to be honest, I, it, it kind of disgusts me. I don't know why, but uh, they kind of disgust me. But many practices like such as you you brought up Slender Man, this yes. idea that you can go out you know, in the dark at night, go up to a tree, and you, you carve a circle in the tree, and then you put an X in the circle, and you say a little chant, and, and you can summon this Slender Man. Uh, who then, you know, of course, wreaks all kinds of havoc and potentially kills you. <clears throat> but I, I almost see the Slender Man thing as more of a game that people think is a real occult practice. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's actually been a verifiable case of somebody actually seeing this guy. Uh, but it's something our youth is doing, and it, and it certainly is an entry-level occult-type practice. It certainly is. Putting a circle in a tree, putting an X in it, and saying a chant, that is definitely the typical kind of fasting a spell recipe that you would see in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one that made the news big time over the last, you know, last year was this Charlie Charlie game, which there were all types of YouTube videos and people doing these Charlie Charlie rituals, and then all kinds of odd events would happen. Turned out that was a promotion for a movie. <laughs> a very, very crafty marketing scheme. I must say that was really a good marketing scheme. But uh, that is, again, it was an entry-level kind of kindergarten occult practice. Another one that I remember doing when I was a kid was uh, Bloody Mary. You know, you stand in front of the mirror and you say, Bloody Mary, come to me. I, th- I can't remember exactly, but you say it like three or four times or something silly like that. And then uh, supposedly she'll show up in the mirror and look back at you and, you know, scare your socks off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, I believe one of those kind of kindergarten call practices, I would imagine that there's been some cases in the past where people have saw stuff. I never saw anything. Uh, but I will tell you, like I told you, I think in the last podcast, I got into Ouija boards. And Ouija boards, you know, Milton Bradley, the board game guys, they make Ouija boards and they sell them as a game. If you go onto Amazon and look them up, it's listed as a game. Right. And that is flat out necromancy. That is a cult. Uh, and that's something that a lot of our kids are playing around with. You know, when you when you have kids and they spend a night at somebody's house and, you know, you don't know what's going on over there. And sometimes that's the kind of stuff that happens. You know, the Ouija board gets busted out because mom and dad have some Ouija board packed away somewhere and the kids know where it's at. And they pull it out. And the next thing you know, they're speaking to some weird spirit named Jake who's telling them to do odd things. Right. You know, so, you know, these types of things really are starting to um, influence our kids. They see all these movies, and, and boy, there's a ton of movies nowadays that are coming out that are really pulling people into, our, our kids, into the world of the occult. I mean, even even the new uh, Avengers movie. You know, it's got uh, a, a particular character, the Scarlet Witch, okay, who does all types of, of witchcraft, but, you know, many of the, uh, the Marvel movies have various witchcraft elements and themes. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, that one was really into witchcraft. Uh, many DC movies. Uh, it, it, it lures our kids in. And then, boy, you walk into a bookstore like Barnes & Noble and you find the New Age section and realize, my gosh, there is a lot of occult books. And kids gravitate towards power. I mean, especially in this day and age where it's really hard in America, to, to, to um, the, the way our economy and our school system is going, and, and maybe I should take the tinfoil hat off before I go too far, but <laughs> it, it's really intimidating for some of our youth right now. Well, yeah, I you mean, go to college for four years and you have $200,000 in debt, or maybe even just 40000 but you've got all this debt, and then you get out and you find out everybody else has the same degree as you and you can't even get a job. Exactly. So uh, what do you do? Well, you know, a lot of these kids are going towards, well, how can I get an edge? Where can I get an edge on life? And the, the world of the occult is one of the places they'll go to try and get that edge. So, yeah, watch out for that, parents. 
Very much so. And you bring up a good point, and this is, is this is really a good segue into to our final section on this, uh, talking about you know as we, as we're talking about apologetics and and how to reach out to those in the occult, and that's obviously what we want to talk about next. But before we do. I, I think what you've mentioned shows the vast importance that we have as parents and Christian leaders in um, leading our churches and our youth in apologetic, not only apologetic, but theology, theological training. I mean, that's the reason why I say it, because I think they go they go really hand in glove. I think they're two sides of the very same coin, you know, because we have to, first of all, know what we believe, the theology aspect of it. But then we need to know why we believe what we believe, the apologetic side of it. And boy, I tell you, just from what you've just mentioned, I think that shows the vast importance of why we need to be spending a lot of time. Not, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm all about having fun. You know, I, I am. But, but there, we can't just depend on chicken nuggets and pizzas to raise our kids. We have to give them the word of truth. To feed them the word of God, and and man, I tell you, you, just you really lit a fire in me hearing all this stuff. Uh, I think it just shows the importance we have as parents and Christian leaders to to really ground our kids in the truth. Amen. Amen. And and there's many practices that are creeping into the church that the parents are picking up, and they think that they're biblical. Exactly. Um, and, and and if I may, there's there's just a few things I want to mention here that we're doing in our church that come straight from the world of the occult. They don't come from the Bible. Uh, one of them that's huge in the church right now is contemplative prayer. Mm-hmm. It's also referred to as breath prayers, soaking prayers, entering the silence. Uh, and it's it's not any different than transcendental meditation that comes from Hinduism. Uh, And it's also practiced in Buddhism. It's practiced by New Agers. It's the idea of emptying your mind and allowing a spirit to speak to you. Okay, Mm -hmm. In the Christian sense, you're expecting God to speak to you. But you're emptying your mind using a New Age practice and expecting God to speak to you. And and what's dangerous here um, is that there's all these Christians that think they're getting messages from God. And, you know, I spent years and years in a very hyper charismatic church and everybody was playing God had given them a word and it was all these types of things where they would enter the silence do a soaking prayer contemplative prayer and then they would supposedly get a word from the Lord uh, about half the time the words from the Lord quote unquote <laughs> would contradict scripture uh, you know there were times where a word of the Lord for example this was terrible but they they said, you know, there was a child, did I already tell you this story? There was a child that was uh, going to be born that had some major birth defects. The doctor said, hey, you need to get this child surgery. Well, what do they do? They come to church. The pastor says, oh, those are just word curses, which is uh, something that comes from another New Age doctrine that uh, the church calls positive confession. But uh, the, the pastor said, that's a negative confession. That is a word curse. We need to renounce that. And then people started prophesying over this, this family and said, you need to stand in faith. The Lord's going to save this child. Because they'd all heard from the Lord. That baby died. Oh, man. That baby died in her mother's arms. Just a couple days after it was born, exactly how the doctor said, because they were presumptuously, as the Bible refers to it, they were speaking presumptuously. They were attributing words to the Lord that God did not say. Exactly. That comes directly from the occult, from these types of practices and expecting the Lord to speak to you. And then now, basically, when you say the Lord has spoken to you, that is a claim of canonization, if you will. That's Mm -hmm. saying that my words are equal what God just told me is equal to the Bible. Hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, if God spoke some words to you, if you really, really did speak them, would they not be just as uh, valid as anything from the Bible, right? I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's God, right? So when someone claims that God's speaking, they are claiming that their words now are equal to Scripture. And my goodness, I can't think of a more dangerous thing to be doing. 
before an all-powerful God claiming that he said something that he didn't say. Sarah Young, she put out a book, Jesus Calling, and she claimed in the first edition that the words that Jesus spoke through her, this, this book, Jesus Calling, it was a whole book of her channeling Jesus. And she claimed in her first edition that her book was equal to Scripture. Wow. Now, of course, the church freaked out about that, and she since then pulled it out of the the uh, subsequent uh, uh, versions but uh, or printings. But nonetheless, boy, you can see that book everywhere you go. I, I, even at work, when I'm going around to various job sites, I'll see people with that book at their desk. Um, it's, it's really made a, a, an impact. And then there's positive confession. I'll try to go faster, but that, that comes, that, that actually traces back to shamanism. It's also referred to as the law of attraction. Uh, Rhonda Byrne, she's got that book, The Secret. It's the idea that if, if you speak something forth and believe it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. She almost put God in the corner and you say, you know what, God, I I claim that I don't have cancer. I claim it, and I believe it. Therefore, I don't. You know, and, and I, not not trying to interrupt here, but um, oh yeah, Jesse Duplantis. Uh, yes. Someone uh, 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 posted a video of, of him basically saying that he was essentially saying, and I wish I had the clip with me to play it, but he, he essentially said that that uh, that God didn't give animals life; it was Adam. Then we have the power to give life, is what he was saying. And my mouth dropped open. I, I thought, my goodness. And, and people were actually taking that in and believing it to be the gospel truth. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is the audacity of some of the, 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 these teachers to, to say the things that they say. Uh, Frederick Price, he made the claim that, uh, and I'm going off road here. I don't have any notes on this at the moment, but he basically said that um, those who say, or pray, rather, thy will be done, uh, are not showing faith. There, And he actually says, people that say thy will be done are fools. So basically he's calling Jesus fool because in the Lord's Prayer, he says thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Exactly. I cannot, I mean, I would hate to be in his shoes. That is, that is so dangerous. But yes, Positive confession, it comes straight from the occult. When I was part of the occult, that's exactly what I did. I used the law of attraction. Uh, I, I incorporated these various ideas that you would find in Rhonda Byrne's book, The Secret. Now, The Secret wasn't around when I was practicing, um, but the concepts were. And, of course, many Christians would say, well, yeah, well, the New Age copied that from the Bible. Well, no, they didn't. Nowhere in the Bible, not one single place in the scriptures do we see the apostles or the disciples uh, naming and claiming. Right. <laughs> exactly. They they didn't have good health. You know, there was Timothy with the stomach ailment. There was Paul with the thorn in his side. There were multiple other uh, disciples that were mentioned in various Paul, uh, Paulian apostles that had sickness and were not doing good. Um, you know, the, the apostles, they all died. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They, they weren't experiencing their best life now. I mean, we can definitely, <laughs> definitely nail that down. Well, Michael, leave no me way. some time on this. Uh, this is a very important question, and, and you have the, you know, you have the uh, distinction of, of having been in the occult and then and now a believer strongly teaching and preaching the word of truth and, and uh, working in Christian apologetics. What are some ways the Christian apologists can reach out to those in the occult? Okay. Very good. So, so first of all, like, I just want to say if, if anybody is listening who is practicing these things and they are a believer, just repent. Okay. Turn away from it, go the opposite direction uh, and, and just stop. It's, it's, it's one of those things that God calls an abomination, but Christ, he shed his blood for you, and he knows what you're going through. Just repent, okay, and you will be forgiven. Now, if you're reaching out to somebody who is uh, a believer and is practicing these things, um, here's what I would say. I would make a, a, I would ask him a question. If you're practicing something that God disapproves of 
or caused sin or worse, an abomination, would you know, want to know what it was? Right? right. I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Just ask. If, you, if you're doing something that offends God, do you want to know what it is? And then I would prevent or present some, some scriptures to them. Uh, and, and here's what I would present to them. How much time do we have? We got like 10 uh, minutes? About, uh, I'd say about, uh, probably about six or seven. Okay. I'll do this fast. We're going to put the pedal to the floor here. <laughs> so Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27. Um, a man also, or a woman, that hath a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard, shall surely be put to death. So stop right there. Pick up a rock and start chucking it at your friend. No, just kidding, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but that's a good scripture to show them. That God, is, God is immutable. His character does not change. That doesn't mean we stone people that are witches nowadays. That was actually in Leviticus. That was a command for the Jews at that time to keep their nation pure. Okay. Nonetheless, it isn't a sin. It, it's a very much a sin, and God calls witchcraft an abomination. Exodus chapter 22, verse 18 says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. All right, see, so you feeling God's character on this, how he feels? Oh, yeah. Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 12, it says, I will cut off witchcraft out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Sorry, I'm having a hard time speaking tonight. Soothsayers. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I think I read this earlier on one of the previous podcasts. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Okay, so he was, he was seeking a medium, basically. Again, that is something that he, that was one of the things that uh, God considered noteworthy, you know, why he died. Mm. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth din of divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. All right. Uh, lastly, Galatians chapter 5, verses 18, 18 through 21. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye, not, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, mischievousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, it keeps going, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That right there is terrifying. Absolutely. Okay. So, again, if we repent of these things, you know, Christ, when he died on that cross, he saw all of our sin, past, present, and future. You repent. You turn your back on it. You stop doing that. Christ is going to forgive you. Okay? If the person is not a believer, uh, I, I still think you should appeal to Scripture. But I think you need to be more sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. And, and you know, as I've mentioned before, I'm not talking about like an audible voice of God, but I am saying that, you know, there's times when God really gives you that strong feeling, like, I really need to do this or say oh, this. Now, follow the Lord as much as possible, because it can get very dicey when you're speaking to somebody who is not a believer and is caught up in these things. Um, oftentimes, I try to bring them to the cross before anything else. They need to understand their sin. They need to understand that because if they don't understand their sinner, there's no reason for the cross. Right? Mm, absolutely. You know, I, I'm not of the Joel Steen model of God's going to improve your life and make everything better because <laughs> Jesus said in this life you'll have persecution. Absolutely. Okay? It's not going to get all, you know, your best life now as soon as you, as you give your life to Christ. But what will happen is you'll be forgiven. <clears throat> so they need to understand they're a sinner. 
And that there's some tact that needs to go into that, lovingly showing them that their center Ray Comfort's got some great materials on that. That's one way to do it. There's a lot of different approaches. But if they understand their center, and then you show them the love of Christ and what he did on that cross, giving his life and taking that horrific punishment that we deserve on himself to save us. Now, that that is, that is how we get people saved. That's how we lead them to Christ. And uh, it's not easy. And there are no silver bullets. It's one of those things where you've got to show a person that you really genuinely care before you even jump into witnessing to them. they got to know that you love and care for them. And then they're going to be more likely to hear you out. Absolutely. Well, Michael, my friend, this is this has been an incredible journey that we've taken uh, for the past, well, really, th- about the, really the past past month. Uh, I think it's been because we th- we did a podcast on uh, cult and the, the cults and the occult, and we've now had a uh, concluded a three part series on the occult. And so, like Michael said, we want to encourage you if you are here today, and first of all, if you don't know Christ, uh, that you would uh, give your life to Him because. Uh, maybe you've been involved in the occult or some type of cultic practice. It's never too late uh, while you have breath to, to turn to him and, and receive him as Savior and Lord. Or maybe you're a Christian. You're involved in some of these practices. And uh, maybe something Michael has said today has convicted you uh, about what you're doing. And we just encourage you, as Michael said uh, as well, to uh, just repent. Simply repent of what you're doing. Uh, turn to Christ. Depend upon him. And uh, he'll forgive you. And that's the wonderful thing about this gospel, that, that this, about this Jesus we serve, that, that he's willing to forgive us our sins. And so we do encourage you to do just that. For Michael Bone, this is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Philosophical Christie podcast brought to you by philosophicalchristie.com. The views expressed on this podcast may not represent BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. This podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The theme is the song Crucified on the Crucified album written by John and Michaela Lamanis and performed by Crosby Lane. Be sure to visit BellatorChristi.com and subscribe. Also visit us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We thank you for joining us today, and be sure to join us next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.